Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Bet on Chicago. My name is Joey Christopoulos. Today's episode is presented by PetOnline.ag. And look, it's back. It's better than ever. It's got a new web interface for the start of the basketball season. And there are more props, odds, and lines than ever before. And that's why BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or use your mobile website to sign up today and receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. When you use promo code BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-50, to receive that bonus basketball football baseball nhl boxing ufc right down to your favorite vegas casino games don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season bet online the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports bet online where the game starts ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for coming into the pod it's the fantasy football halftime show we are here we are seven weeks in we're taping this on a friday Probably you all are listening to this on a Monday, so week eight might be coming to a conclusion, but it's time to take stock of what has happened and what is going to be happening moving forward. So it's time to bring in two fantasy football experts. First, let's bring in him. He's a second-time guest. He's coming back to talk some fantasy. Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, and also check out the Fantasy Focus uh, the fantasy Focus videos on YouTube as well. It's Bobby LaMarco. What's up, Bobby? Joey, I'm excited not only to talk about your Bears, but also talk a little fancy football today. But thanks for having me back on. Oh, you're being so kind about those Bears. And trust <laughs> me, that might be in the leadoff spot today on the order. Coming up next, you remember him. He's been on the show, oh, I don't know, a couple of times before. Resident guest, fellow Teddy guy, and also doing my Rotoballer videos on the Checkdown each and every single week. Dave Spoli, what's up, Dave? Joey, I am not looking forward to talking about our Bears, and I'm super excited to talk about fantasy football. Super excited to have you and too fucking bad, Dave, because we're going to do it right now, my friend. That's right. Before we get into the fantasy football, you know, Bobby, if it's okay, man, um, I want to get your take just real quick on what you're seeing is from an outside perspective. Me and Dave are Bears fans. We're in too deep. We're we're way too deep. So we're poking our head out right now. What is your take on this Chicago Bears offense right now? There are names that guys that people definitely drafted all throughout leagues this year. David Montgomery is still a couple weeks away. We like the running back situation, but, you know, how do you can't handicap this Bears offense moving forward in the second half of the fantasy season? Well, the question comes, does it get so bad that you guys go back to Andy Dalton at some point? I mean, I hope not. I hope they let Justin Fields do his thing and go through those growing pains. It starts with the offensive line play, though. I mean, really, Fields looks like a pin cushion. I mean, started at that Browns game where he just got completely destroyed. Hasn't gotten much better. There also doesn't seem like an organic flow with his rushing. Yes, they've tried to let him run a little bit, but he hasn't had like that big key rushing game where he runs 10 times for like 60 plus yards, getting to the end zone. It'd be nice if they designed a little more runs, getting more out of the pocket like that stuff. But it's really the pass volume too in general. Mobile quarterbacks do have an impact overall in fantasy on their receivers, but this is the extreme, right? I mean, we're seeing like Allen Robinson who went from a fourth borderline third, fourth round pick to completely irrelevant. Darnell Mooney has not broken out like a lot of people thought. Cole Komet was a popular second-year tight end leap guy. has not been the case at all. The good news is Bill Lazor at least has his pulse on the run game because Khalil Herbert looks really good. David Montgomery looks really good. I guess my question for you guys is, as an outsider, is what do you think about when David Mon- Montgomery comes back? Do you think it's going to be a split? Or do you think they'll let Montgomery run with it and use Khalil Herbert as a change of pace guy? Bears right now, top five rushing offense right now in the NFL, but averaging 124 passing yards a game. I will repeat, 124 passing yards a game, which I think is 50 less than the next worst in the NFL right now. Dave, hop in on that question, man. Uh, I want to get your take on the Bears, but answer, you know, with Bobby, when David Montgomery comes back, what does happen to Khalil Herbert's value? 
Yeah, that's a great question. And a question that I thought would have been easier to answer uh, over a week ago when I thought it was just going to be a 50-50 split between Damian and Herbert when Damian was active off the COVID-19 list. And they were facing a really tough Bucks run D. Well, now in hindsight, I'm going, Herbert's the truth, guys. I'm watching tape on this guy. I'm liking what I'm seeing. I don't know how you can go back to the way things were. I think this is going to be a very muddled backfield for fantasy. It's going to be great as a Bears fan. I think we have three very capable backs who all have different strengths and weaknesses that I think will begin to complement each other very nicely. But in fantasy, man, I don't know. I don't know how you can just hand the keys back to David Montgomery after what Herbert's doing. And I don't think he's going to slow down this week against San Fran. Yeah, in the here and now, I think the Damian Williams ship has sailed. Uh, 272 rushing yards over the last three games, 18.3 touches per game for Khalil Herbert. Here is the little caveat that I'll put into what I'm about to say. Dave Montgomery is the team's RB1. I think in the crucial moments, especially you were just talking about the offensive line, You know, early on in that Bucks game, who was whiffing on a safety blitz? It was Khalil Herbert. And I think there's moments when a rookie running back and a rookie quarterback in on the same time and crucial moments on the field – it's going to be a huge problem. Look, those are growing pains. That's kind of the way it goes. It's not a knock on either of them. It's probably the way it rolls. I think you're going to want David Montgomery out there. I think he's going to out-touch, David, out-touch Khalil Herbert when he does come back and is healthy. But I will say this. Khalil Herbert, I think, has home run potential. Like I see him hit the edge, and I think it's only a matter of time for something that Bears fans haven't seen in you know, God knows how long a 70, 75 yard touchdown from a running back. I think Khalil Herbert is capable of that. Not so sure about Dave Montgomery. So for me, Herbert's going to be a really tough, risky flex play of like boom or bust. I think Montgomery does take it over a little bit when he comes back. Bobby, I want to throw this to you. You mentioned Allen Robinson. I don't want to be hyperbolic about this. He's not startable. Is he trending towards droppable at this point? I mean, this is how bad it's gotten. This guy makes 17 million a year. He gets 100 passes a year from Mitch Trubisky, literally keeps the dude in the league of the will he or won't he. That's a lot in due part to Allen Robinson's play. What do you do with a guy like Allen Robinson from your perspective right now? Well, I think there's two options here. I think if you're a really good team, let's say you're six and one, you know, five and two, seven and oh, you can bet you're better off sitting on talent like Allen Robinson. If, if Justin Fields starts improving, you could sit on a guy like Allen Robinson, especially you have players on your team that are starting for you anyway. If you find yourself two and five, you know, one and six, it's time to make moves now. And like Allen Robinson, it's not looking good in the short term, especially I'm willing to drop him. It's, it's been a tough year overall for their schedule as well. It does open up. I like Allen Robinson's usage though. He plays about 40 to 45% of his uh, snaps in the slot. He also does lead the team in deep targets, but he's just not connecting yet. He only caught three of his 11 deep targets this season. That's well below normal averages. So I think it starts regressing a little bit when the him and Justin Fields start building a connection. But at the same time, you got to make moves now. If you're definitely a losing team, I'm not going to sit and wait around for another three weeks until they figure it out. But if I am a winning roster and I have Allen Robinson on my bench, I'm fine with a high upside guy like that who I might be able to use during playoff time once I get there. Yeah, it is nice to have a guy on your bench that maybe eventually could get you – eight for 95 and a touch or two, right? I mean, that's kind of a nice bench that you can just kind of throw in there. Dave, just uh, weigh in on where you're at with Allen Robinson right now. Oh, we're not talking. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't. Yeah, we're not on talking terms right now. He's on the, he, I, I keep him on the last ring of my bench just as a sign, you know, just, I, I don't even put him in the, in the, you know, 10 to 12 range. He's at the very last ring just so he knows he's hanging on by a thread. But I'll, I'll pose this question to both of you guys. After November 8th, 
is he a bear? You know, do we even know for certain that you're hanging on to a player who may not become a chief in a few weeks, who may not go to another uh, wide receiver needy team and all of a sudden his values through the roof. I do like some of the signs, uh, as Bobby mentioned, about the snap count. I love that he's, he's playing out of the slot more. That's where we like to see Allen Robinson play. And the other thing, which I learned uh, on the uh, Betting Chicago pod with Corey Wooten, is that we're seeing Justin Fields and Allen Robinson's offseason before us. It's playing out before. This, these are the reps that they've gotten total you know i don't think that can be understated that these guys had no time to develop the chemistry and if you're a you know alan Ramos is getting up there in age he's not getting a ton of separation like he used to but he's always that 50 50 guy he was always he's a timing guy you know just like a stefan Diggs. he's a he's a precision route runner and i think that's all about timing and i really don't think he's gotten the reps with justin fields to really become the a rob you know we all know and love I say that, and then I also think of his former quarterbacks, and I think, what's, what's going on? Justin Fields should be the best quarterback he's played with by leaps and bounds. And I, I think that's probably a little the reason why you end up not trading him, Dave, is because of that offseason mentality. And in my opinion, I think the only way this vertical game probably gets turned around for Justin Fields and the Bears moving forward is Fields and Allen Robinson getting on the same page as quickly as they possibly can. You've seen those moments in games where Fields, uh, you know, they'll hike the ball and he'll just do a two-step drop and he'll just throw on a quick slant out. He'll, the ball will be out of his hands before the break even happens. That's Allen Robinson's territory. You have to trust that veteran to make it to happen. And a lot of the knock on Fields right now is holding the ball for that point four seconds longer than he needs to. That ball's got to be out because, you know, Allen Robinson can catch those 50-50 balls like you're talking about. Bobby, maybe my last thought on the Bears uh, before we move on is it's one thing to put Allen Robinson into trade packages, right? Who isn't doing that these days? But emotionally, what do you, how do you feel when you get a trade proposal with Allen Robinson in it? Are you, are you insulted? Are you like, how dare you? Uh, is he even a tradable uh, commodity right now? Well, I got to tell you, I give Allen Robinson – I want to take a step back for a minute and say, listen, Allen Robinson earned enough respect over his career that I'm not going to be insulted. However, I don't want him. <laughs> so there's two different conversations to be had here. I am not actively trading for him. Uh, I actually did draft Allen Robinson in one league, but I traded him after week two and packaged him together with another player to get an upgrade. Um, when he still had that name value and people were still optimistic, um, I just kind of saw the trend of the, when it started being more Justin Fields and seeing the downward trend in their pass volume. I just don't see it happening. Unfortunately, I think, like I said earlier, if I'm a losing team and I need to start winning now, I'm going to drop him. If I, if of course try to trade him, but I just think at this point, you just got to text everyone in your league, be like, I'm willing to give you Allen Robinson, another player, but I don't think Allen Robinson's going to sweeten the pot at all to get an upgrade. So I think you're pretty much SOL. Unfortunately, you see Dave, when I put Allen Robinson and Chuba Hubbard in a trade package to you, I'm not disrespecting you. It's no disrespect. I get it, bud. You know, I get it. And I will send you Cole Komet right back. (laughs) (laughs) Serve it up, baby. Serve it up. Yeah. And that's the, that's the, that's the disappointing thing is I think like in general, Justin Fields, a guy that can pick up yards with his legs, not happening right now. You know, they have a pro bowl player like Allen Robinson on the field right now. Can't get him the football averaging only 24 passing yards a game. And it's just this thing that it's really hard for fantasy freaks, especially Chicago bears fans to even put any stock in this moving forward because there's been no progress. There's been no spark, no glimmer. So 
you're just kind of asking yourself what happens and you can't really move you're kind of paralyzed on this until they show you a glimpse of anything that can be promising bobby hop back in no i just wanted to say what you guys thought because he is in a contract year so like it, it doesn't make sense to get rid of a guy like alan robinson especially with justin fields as, as a young player you want to surround him with talent so I guess this the impact of this season. How do you feel about this for the contract? Do you think you still want him? Has you have you guys heard anything on the contract front? Maybe after the season, is he going to be a bear? Like, what's your guys' thought on that? Um, Dave, I definitely want to hear your perspective on this. Mine, very short, is he will not be a Chicago Bear next year. Uh, we have some salary cap issues. The acrimony between extending him, which I guess was very close to happening last year, never happened. Um, I personally, I do not see it happening, which is a shame. Dave, what say you? Yeah, man, I, I would, I'll be very sad as a Bears fan, but I just can't see a scenario where we hang on to him. Um, we're gonna have to do a lot of work next year. I mean, this this hobbling together we did with Demir Bird and Marquise Goodwin and anyone else who was good in 2017 um, just ain't gonna cut it next year. But I think that's what we're gonna be looking at for sure. He's making 17 million this year. He wants to be paid 20 million. Do you think he's getting 20 million on the open market from anyone? I don't see a team off the top of my head. I mean, look, Kenny Galladay got his bag last year. That's kind of the comp of like he was young though. I get it, but like I, I, that's the comp of me having like a desperate team throwing money at a player who's good, but maybe that couple extra million that other teams probably won't, you know, foot the bill for. I don't know if Allen Robinson's that $20 million receiver right now. Dave, hop back in. Yeah, I was just going to say, I, I I feel this trending more in the A.J. Green direction, right? The, the, the possession receiver who's getting up there in age, has a down year, and then is kind of sold for pennies, you know, to some team as like their number two. Um, but I definitely don't see him getting 20 mil. Let's move on. Let's get off the bears and let's uh, let's go into brighter pastures here. I want to kind of just get your guys to take some stock on some some players here through the about the first half of the fantasy football season. Some surprises along the way. So let's just start with uh, let's start with quarterback. We got our top ten quarterbacks right now. You know, a couple of you know some names that don't surprise us. A couple of names that are definitely like okay, man, all right, Dave, you're gonna go first, my friend. Um, just name a guy in the top ten quarterback wise that has surprised you so far this season. Well, I'm going to cheat a little bit because I looked at the top 10 and to be honest, none of those names are guys that are too surprising to me, but at 11 glaring at me is Derek Carr. <laughs> are you kidding me? Who called this the 11th best fantasy quarterback? He's only trailing Justin Herbert by two points. I mean, literally like eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13. They're all just so close. And that's why folks, you can wait on quarterback in your drafts. But this is also, it really impressed me was his consistency. This guy has thrown two tutties in every single game, except for our Bears, coincidentally, um, which is the only game he really busted in this year. And all of a sudden, you know, Ruggs is really coming along. Darren Waller's trailed off a little bit, but it hasn't really seemed to affected Derek Carr's fantasy value. Hello, Foster Moreau, I guess. Um, but yeah, if you call me very surprised to see Derek Carr with this kind of consistency this year. Yeah, the mascara is on point this year. It's better than it's ever been. What was he, 31 or 34? What was it, just a week or two ago? It was pretty pretty impressive on that front. Bobby, uh, name me a quarterback in the top 10 right now that is either surprised, you know, the preseason top 10 rankings or maybe even surprised you in your rankings. Well, it's got to be Tom Brady. I mean, not yeah. it's not just because the fact that he's the number one quarterback. It's that he's three points better 
than in six points per passing touchdown leagues than Patrick Mahomes. Five points better nearly than Kyler Murray. Like what? <laughs> like he's, it's not like he's just like, he, he's like in the mix. He's like dominating fantasy football. Five of his seven games over 30 points in that format. And the guy's like 43 plus, and it just doesn't make any sense. And he just continues to do it. And the talent around him too. Gronk got hurt. AEB's been out. It does not matter. He throws three touchdowns to Mike Evans last week. And the scariest part is you want to start fading him, but he's going to get AB back. He's getting Gronk back. He could even get any better. This is what happens when you turn 11 starters on the offensive side. Continuity, I guess, really does work in fantasy football. And the schedule is pretty, pretty easy. Looks like he's gunning for the MVP. You know, once those numbers start racking up a little bit, he's the type of player that goes, hey, maybe on the four-yard line, maybe I will just chuck it in. You know what I mean? Like those little moments where maybe I'll pick up that extra touchdown. Um, you know, I I want to say this is a surprise, but I just want to throw this guy on the list. Is that, You know, I want to throw Joe Burrow in there, you know, to be honest, because it's just been so impressive what he's been able to do. 17 touchdowns. He's got multiple touchdowns in every single game. For me personally, that's just a really, it's a really easy marker for fantasy football fans to kind of look at with a quarterback of a guy that's getting you two scores every single game, averaging 329 yards passing over his last four games. And here's the biggest stat for me, and I think this is why he's probably in the top 10, right, is through the first two games, Bengals, they gave up 10 sacks. Last five games, only giving up seven sacks, right? And that was the big problem with his offensive line coming in. And he's got this stud in Jamar Chase, who I think is the number two receiver in fantasy right now. I mean, all of a sudden, it's cool to be a Bengals fan. I wanted to sort of throw him on that list. Uh, tangentially, before we move on to running back, Bobby, I want to ask you this question because me and Dave, we did a preseason show about fantasy football, and I want a little validation, and I want your perspective on this. We we mentioned out there, it was kind of a hot take, that we had kind of said that you know Justin Herbert, for his value, for where he was going in drafts, we called him a bust. Now, we weren't saying that he was going to be bad. We weren't saying that he wasn't going to put up numbers. We just said that at the value, which I think coming into the year was three, four, maybe even five in some rankings – we just said, hey, top 10, but probably not top five. Mm-hmm. He's been on a bye week. He's at top 10 right now. Where are you on Justin Herbert? Do you think he's still going to climb into that top five? Or do you think maybe you know, he's just going to kind of sit in that top 10, six to eight area the rest of the season? Well, I was kind of on the same board because he was changing offenses. And when I typically look at fantasy quarterbacks, I like continuity. I like in the same system for the second, third year. So when Joe Lombardi came over, I kind of had the same thought. I was like, I, I don't like the fact they're changing offenses. It's going to take time. That being said, it gets better in the second half of the year. Hmm. So typically, you know, when you see these guys in new offenses, there is a ramp up period. Even though Brady technically came into a scheme that was already set, he was new and it took him time in the second half to take off last year. So Herbert could be better in the second half. So I do think he is a buy. Plus with the with the weapons, Mike Williams finally taking the next step, showing that he can be a solid number one. And then you got Keenan Allen, who everybody's just running for the hills right now. But the guy has still elite target numbers he just has one touchdown it's going to get better for Allen he's got Austin Eckler getting healthy he's just got a complete package the problem is it's kind of fickle after those guys if Mike Williams goes down then you're going to Jalen Guyton Josh Palmer who haven't really proven much yet after Austin Eckler you're going to Justin Jackson Joshua Kelly so I do worry about their talent depth but overall I mean I'm thinking he's gonna get better as the season goes along and that connection with Keenan Allen was already established with Herbert last year so I don't think that's something that people should freak out too much about and that just happens sometimes that regression and touchdowns that's just uh, that's just sort of what happens throughout the year i mean dave and they got david Parr, not donald parham too which is good news for for the former X- check baby yeah bobby we used to do an xfl we used to cover the xfl on a weekly basis of fantasy football xfl back in the day and six dude, donald, people donald parham 
and PJ Walker were gods that walked among the mortal humans on this great on this green grass of earth. Wasn't jo- Dearness Johnson in the XFL too? Uh, AFL. AFL. He was a, he uh, was an AFL star for gotcha. Orlando, baby. Nice. Town. Um, but yeah, Don- Donald Parham was absolute. He looked like uh, a men amongst boys out there, and you know. He's kind of come come along as late. I mean, he's just Trimmed one down. more weapon. You know, he's just one more weapon that they have. I mean, I'm happily, I'll happily be wrong about Herbert. To me, I think he has the opportunity to be one of the elites. I mean, this guy is still young and is just showing all of the signs of an absolute baller. Let's move it over to running backs. Bobby, you're going to go first in this category. Just toss out a guy who currently sits in the top 10 that has you, you know, a little surprise so far. It's DeAndre Swift, uh, mostly because of the fact that the offense is terrible and somehow he's still really good. And it's it's because that garbage time has been one of the most the best the fam- the best friend that no one wants to admit is their best friend for fantasy is garbage time production. We all deep down love when your team's down, you know, multiple scores and you got all the passing game weapons. You're like, let's go, we're gonna get like 20 points. Jail, it's the Jalen Hurts special of 2020. Yeah. Uh, but DeAndre Swift has been really good. He's the P- uh, even in half point and full point PPR. He's the RB3. He's eighth in consistency. He's actually tied with Derrick Henry for the most quote-unquote elite games, which is 19 points or more in half-point PPR. So him and Derrick Henry have been, you know, one and two in that in that metric, which is awesome for DeAndre Swift. Plus, he's slow. Like, early on in the season, Jamal Williams and him were splitting more of the running game work. We've noticed lately that he's actually getting more carries now. Now you're adding that to all the passing game usage. They don't have receivers, really, other than Khalif Raymond, which we brought up pre-show. Other than Khalif Raymond right now, you know, there isn't a lot of talent at receivers. So I think his value is going to stay strong throughout the year. And I think DeAndre Swift, because of that preseason, he, you know, Dan Campbell was like, he's hurt. We don't know what he, we're going to do with him yet. They talked about the the big back 1A, the 1B back, 1A back thing with Jamal Williams. And that got everyone freaked out. So people faded him. And I did, too. I have zero DeAndre Swift, and I immediately regret it. So Swift is my biggest surprise this year. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. The guy is he's leading the league also in limited participation, right? In practice. And he's going to each time there's a cue. It's Deandre Swift Q is basically his name, but every single week he gets out there. He was like that in training camp too, you know, always limited with a groin. I mean, that makes fantasy freaks really, you know, really hesitant to go in there, but he's got a nose for the end zone this year. Dave hop in. I was going to say the same thing. That's what scared me off. I have zero Deandre Swift as well. Oddly, because we have a couple lions fans in some of my leagues, but also because of the groin injury, but, I didn't go with my normal motto, which is just bet on talent. We should all be doing that. DeAndre Swift is a baller. He was probably my favorite prospect coming out of college that season. And he's just proving it. I mean, he's just, it's just one of those things where talent's winning out. The touches are coming. Jamal Williams is slowly fading. And I think they're realizing, yeah, this is the guy. This is our offense. Yeah. And Bobby, you were on it. You were on it too with your, your previous comment there. Dan Campbell was talking in training camp. You know, doing that whole like old school, like, well, we're going to we're going to play the guys that are healthy out there, the guys that want it really bad. Well, it's like, no, you're going to play the most talented dudes out there. And when you're so bereft of weapons, if DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson are your only options, it's going to go to Swift a whole lot. Dave, uh, throw a guy out there. uh, RB top 10 right now. Who has surprised you the most? Oh, Joey, this is easy. This is an absolute slam dunk. Corduroy. (laughs) Huh? The Swiss Army knife? The running back Rubik's Cube? Okay, this is why Mike Davis is also on none of my fantasy teams. Jesus. Corderell Patterson, that name is just like glaring at me like, this is a typo, right? 
Is he a running back? Is he a wide receiver? Is he a punt returner? He's a baller. That's what he is. Okay. They found a way to unlock this man. Oh my God. So many teams tried. So many teams failed. When he was a Viking, I was like, this is, this guy is something. He's special. He's going to be on all my fantasy teams. And he had like a small, like window of fantasy relevance. And then it was just like, get, get out of here. I mean, everyone thought JV and Hawkins was going to be a thing this year. But somehow, somehow, Corderell is putting up six out of seven games with 13 fantasy points or more in PPR. And one game he went for 33 points. I mean, who is this? I have a team that I picked up. Corderell Patterson is. He's my best player, guys. I was going to say. That's how bad the team is, but also how good he is. And when you picked him up, did you, like, say internally in your head, like, well, it's come to this. Click. (laughs) Honestly, I I picked him up because he still had the running back and wide receiver designation. And I was, like, hurting at both. And I was like, you know, maybe some weeks I'll be able to just, like, stick him in as a wide receiver. And other weeks I'll stick him in as a running back. And it is brutal. But somehow this guy's getting it done. And now, looking ahead... Mike Davis is in the rearview mirror. I mean, he's he's dealing with injury. Seventy-five uh, percent of the the running back touches last week went to Cordero Patterson. This is a guy who they're all of a sudden going. This is our guy. This is what we thought we were getting with Mike Davis. It was just all about the volume, the touches. You know, I mean, we saw Todd Gurley back there last year who couldn't even put up these kinds of fantasy numbers with that kind of volume. So all of a sudden, it's just like, I mean. I don't think we're going to see many more 33 point games, but 13 points a game. I think, yeah, I think he'll consistently continue to do that with that kind of volume. Yeah. Bobby real quick, just hop in on, on Corderell. Do you buy his second half stability moving forward? Well, the thing about Cordell Patterson too, is they use him essentially as their third receiver now. Cause last week, Calvin Ridley came back. Russell Gage came back. We saw, we did see his, his pass volume go way down in the tanks, but if you look at his actual numbers and routes, he lined out wide 17 times. So they're basically like, hey, you're our running back. We're going to line you out wide sometimes too. That's crazy usage. Like he's getting used as the wide receiver three. That'll keep him on the field. That'll give him some PPR high floor. But then he's also like, you know, Dave just brought up, he got more carries and dominated the running back touches. I Yes, I do agree that the big weeks are gone. I think that when Russell Gage and Calvin Ridley were gone, it elevated his stock because they needed him to play wide receiver too. Um, essentially. So I think that's going to be different, but I don't know what, what's Cordell Patterson's trade value right now. Like if, mm-hmm. could you trade Cordell Patterson and a wide receiver two to get an upgrade? Like, what are you guys thoughts about Cordell? I don't think you can even trade him. I think you just accept it for what it is and ride it out. Well, it's the same as, as if you were putting Mike Davis in a deal, right? It's just that unsexy, it's getting it done. And, you know, let's be honest, there's a lot of people, I mean, I think the three of us are all really, really passionate about fantasy football and probably a lot of the listeners out there. But there are some people, too, that maybe play it for a little bit more of the fun aspect. And unless they really dove into the numbers, you're looking at Cordero Patterson, three R's, two L's, get it right, you know what I mean, on the the spelling. And you're just like, well, who is this guy? I'm with you, man. I don't think the value probably represents the production that's going on, and he's probably a hard guy to put into trade talks right now. Dave, what say you? Yeah, I, I I think you could plausibly package him to a really RB needy team. Um, you know, maybe they're a Falcons fan. <laughs> no, but for a moment, I just want to toss this back. The Falcons are the team with like the most of these kinds of players. Like we're looking at Kyle Pitts and we're like, what is he? Is he a tight end? Is he a wide receiver? 
Is Cordell Patterson a running back? Is he a wide receiver? They just have all these kind of Pandora boxes. And all of a sudden in the second half, and by the way, Ridley has not gotten going yet. Like if all three of them start Gage to get going, back. Yeah, Russell, Russell Gage, Gage is yeah. Russell Gage is back to still got some in the middle of the field. Is this going to be like a sneaky good fantasy team like down the stretch? What do you guys think? I mean, it's Matt Ryan, baby. I mean, is he a quarterback or is he a future? Uh, is he a future commentator? Who knows, baby? It's all it's all fluid. That's a great point about them because you know when you get into confidence pools, even beyond fantasy football, betting on the Falcons. It's just insane. It's just really just a roll of the dice. It's a 50-50 jump up. You can't even like really look at ex- like advanced numbers and stats sometimes to kind of wrap your head around, well, how are they going to fuck up this game? You know what I mean? Or, you know, this one's right on their plate right here. They're going to somehow screw it up and, you know, they're going to blow the cover. You know, Bobby, hop in on this one too. And maybe if I can tack on maybe another thought on top of what Dave just said, is this the year also that we look back and we all shake our heads and we go, Man, that was the year Kyle Pitts was a tight end. That was crazy. Remember that? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Honestly, it's like we always have. Look like, at Peyton Hillis. Remember Peyton Hillis? His dominant year. We always there's always gonna be a guy, right? And Peyton Hillis will always be on that Madden cover. And Madden doesn't regret it, and I don't regret it. Either. It was an awesome year. Um, <laughs> but you know that's like Cordell Patterson this year, right? You know Madden cover. Here we go. If he's not on it, I'm not buying Madden ever again. But my personal opinion, the Falcons are another team who changed court coordinators this year. They went to Arthur Smith's offense. So it's going to take time. So I think they're a second-half team to buy as well. I think anytime you have change in offensive philosophy, it's going to take time for these guys to, you know, get up to speed, to run their routes, to get their timing down. So I think it really is helpful for them. They did have their buy, so I think they're going to come out, and I think that is a team to buy, especially because now they have the pieces, right? They have the tight end. They have a solid number one receiver. Russell Gage is a competent number two. Then they have this Cordell Patterson going on. So I think that this offense could be something uh, worth watching in the second half. I just want to throw in there, too, not necessarily top 10, just outside the top 10 right now. I just want to throw in Leonard Fournette, another guy who, look, he's, he's had an up-and-down roller coaster type career, right? Two or three years ago, I think he was an easy in RB2 or maybe even RB1 for some teams. Disappeared, you know, had the Jacksonville stink on him, came over to Tampa Bay, and they were kind of, you know, mix, mixing him and Rojo until Rojo would fumble, and then it became Fournette's show. Well, this year, we probably all should have saw it coming, right? high-octane offense, going to be up by some points, hand the rock to Fournette. The dude's running hard all season long, and it just looks like they're not really interested in Ronald Jones right now, and I think that might be able to be – I think that can stay – I think there's stability in Leonard Fournette moving forward. Dave, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, the big thing that unlocked for uh, Lenny's fantasy value was the pass catching, a role that I thought was going to be strictly Geo. I thought this Geo was going to be the James White of, of the South, but all of a sudden – he gets injured. Lenny takes over. Lenny's a three down back right now, and he's getting crazy volume. And it's kind of like that old school Lenny we we used to love, who's just got a nose for the end zone, too. Let's just follow up uh, on our let's finish up our surprise top tens real quick with wide receiver. Uh, Dave, you're going to go first real quick. Uh, throwing a throwing it would be a two part question. One, give me a guy who's in the top ten right now that has surprised you and maybe follow it up. Do you say do you see it sticking around for the rest of the season? This one was I got another another guy who's on none of my teams. There's, there's one guy on here that I was shocked by. I was honestly, I, I, I told, I didn't even realize it. Marquise Brown, yeah, Hollywood Brown, absolute afterthought for me after last year. To be honest, I I, I hardcore faded him uh, last year. Rode rode that train. Uh, it was the victory train all year, saying you know you should not have him on your fantasy teams. And and then this this offseason, I ignored. 
my favorite off-season narrative, Joe, is when skinny guys put on a little muscle. <laughs> that was buzzing. And I just completely ignored it. It's my are you, are you saying, Dave, are you saying he bulked up? Did he bulk up? Was he bulked up? <laughs> I mean, very surprised. I mean, this is a guy who's a tutty machine right now, six tutties in his last seven games. But here's what I'll say. I think this is all a product on the health of Rashad Bateman. I think this is what they wanted Rashad Bateman for. Obviously, they, they, they moved up to get him. This is a guy that had very high draft capital and was a guy who I thought was probably, you know, arguably in the top four uh, as far as who should be drafted uh, out of that class. And I think that could change a little bit. We're already seeing Rashad Bateman's first game back, him getting heavily targeted. But the other thing is Lamar Jackson is playing lights out this year. He's playing like he was two years ago. And I think that's the biggest difference from last year, which, which makes me go, I don't want to bet against any of these Ravens moving forward. Um, spoiler alert, Lamar Jackson will, will appear on another list, but I, I really like Marquise Brown. I just don't think you should be expecting the, this absolute, th this cannot continue. Regression's coming his way. What do you guys think? Well, there's a little bit going on where I think all of us, when we entered into drafts this year, we're going, it's going to be Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins, both of them obviously incurring injuries, have kind of just, you know, put the paddles to Mark Andrews and also Marquise Brown's fantasy life, right? And they're back, they're back up there, they're back on the board. And Lamar is trying to, maybe this is the year where he's trying to slowly change that narrative of he can be a passer as much as he can be a runner, so on and so forth. You know, Bobby, what say you real quick on Marquise Brown before you reveal your surprise top 10? I want to see what it looks like when they have a healthy Watkins, a healthy Bateman, and a healthy Brown with the Andrews on the field because this is a low pass volume offense, and it's really been just two guys pretty much all year. It's been Brown and it's been Andrews, and then Bateman's been out for most of the year. Then Watkins, right when Bateman comes back, Watkins goes out, which is perfect for fantasy. It helped us because it made things easy. But it really, looking forward, it kind of puts it in the back of your mind. Because Watkins does demand targets. So does Bateman more than Devin uh, Duvernay and uh, uh, Proch or Proch, whatever his name is, demands targets. So I think that this is something to watch. Is Marquise Brown going to play the slot now? Who's going to play on the inside? I think that's all interesting stuff. But I, I think the biggest takeaway for me is that not everybody hits it off like Jamar Chase. Some receivers take three or four years to finally hit their peak. And that's how it used to be 10 years ago. And now all of a sudden we think if, just, if they don't do it year one, they're a bust. Yeah, I mean, Kyle Pitts in the tight end position, too. I mean, me and Dave did a lot of preseason stuff just talking about, look like you can be the most talented tight end in the world. You're not getting up to these particular numbers. The only one that's ever done it was Mike Ditka 40 years ago. Go down the list. Tony Gonzalez, Rob Gronkowski. It looks like he's going to break and eclipse those numbers, and you're hitting it right on the head, too, typically with wide receivers, right? It takes them three or four weeks to either earn the trust of the coaching staff or start getting target shares, so on and so forth. It seems to be really kind of changing. Um, I want to throw my guy in there just real quick. I just want to throw out Debo Samuel. Now, this isn't like a shocker for me, but I am a little surprised he's in the top 10, and he has earned every single second of it. You know, I think a lot of people came in. I did it. I took Brandon Ayuk. I mean, he's probably in my biggest disappointments category. They're running stuff on Monday Night Football with, you know, talking about how Brandon Ayuk is running open routes, but Jimmy G still isn't looking for him, about how he's in the doghouse. Lest I forget that Debo Samuel – is the, the he's the stuff that is my favorite part of a football player just you know fantasy stuff aside he's the guy that was taking those end arounds and was punishing people you know what i mean he's the dude that on a bubble screen he'll set that block out there and all of a sudden they're actually finding him in the vertical passing game 
you know, I don't know how I feel about Jimmy G moving forward, and I definitely do not know how I feel about what happens to Samuel's value if Trey Lance ever becomes under center long term. But I just want to give it up for that guy. I just think he's a football player that everyone on the 49, anyone in the NFL would like to have on their team. Dave, hop in. Yeah, he was he was my backup if anyone else chose Marquise Brown because I was actually uh, pretty shocked all year. He's another guy that I don't have on any of my teams, unfortunately. And for me, the biggest thing was I'm seeing a different receiver in his utilization than we were last yeah, year. Yeah. His A dot is like he had he had like running back like like a dot last year. He was like a, a a behind the line of scrimmage and make something happen after the play kind of receiver. This year, I don't know what it is um, by now, but like two weeks ago, he was second in the league in air yards. This is a guy who all of a sudden is like a completely different type of wide receiver, and it's more fantasy friendly than ever. And to be honest, yeah, it looks like Brandon Huke is an absolute afterthought. I don't know what he did to Shanahan's wife or family or <laughs> something. Something happened. We don't know it, um, but it doesn't look like things are changing. It doesn't look like they're 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 trying to get Brandon Ayuk more involved than they are Debo Samuel. He's the number one, and I I feel like it's going to be that case moving forward. Bobby, hop in and also reveal your surprise top ten wide receiver. Joe, you took my guy. I like it. Look at us. It only took a couple positions. We're already best friends, and this is why I love being on this show. It's Debo Samuel for me. He's number two in points per game in half-point PPR. He's number two in consistency. 50% of his games over 19 points in half-point PPR. That's elite number. Uh, Five of six games over 13 points per game. He's averaging 10 targets a game. My biggest thing with Debo is always the injuries because, like, we've seen flashes before, and it's always in the back of your mind with Debo. Uh, because he, the way you just brought up, you love the fact that he takes those end arounds and he starts hammering people, but that's why he gets hurt so easily because yeah. he's creating contact all the time. Um, this air yards that this is a perfect correlation to why maybe he could stay healthy. Cause it's less of, we're going to throw it to you at the line of scrimmage and go get all the yards after the catch, getting him downfield more will keep him healthy and avoid all those like extra hits that he used to have to do at the line of scrimmage. But also the other thing about Debo that I am a little concerned about is the Trey Lance thing. His worst game for fantasy in the receiving was with Trey Lance, that Arizona game. He only caught three of nine targets for 58 yards and he saved his fantasy day with a rushing touchdown, which is great, but you can't bank on a receiver to score a rushing touchdown to save his fantasy game every week. So if Trey Lance becomes the quarterback, that could be a time you should potentially sell Debo, especially if he's still top five at that time. Moving on to our next topic. This one isn't too stats oriented. I just kind of want to get your emotional vibes on this. We can make, probably make it pretty quick. I just want you to dish out who is your favorite team to watch on red zone right now? Who is your favorite offense? Who, when you click on, you're probably maybe watching a little bit extra of uh, Dave go first. Somebody we already mentioned, but it, for me, it's the chargers bolt up, baby. They don't have any fans. So I'm going to pretend to be one right now, but they're really fun to watch. I mean, we talked about Justin Herbert, Big Mike Williams, Eckler has been like the Camaro light this year. Super fun to watch. I'm so happy that he's finally getting the volume he deserved. This is just a fun team. It feels like every time I'm watching them, they're putting up points. Anything can happen. They've had close games. They've come back for wins. And I really like the coach. Like, I like everything I'm seeing out of him. Uh, They had like a whole off-season kind of web series. I just, I think he's a smart guy. I think he kind of reminds me of a McVay with a little less ego. And I, I dig the team. Yeah, definitely after the Gruden situation, the remarks that he made kind of earned him a couple gold stars, like in my personal opinion. And Bobby, uh, just for some perspective, me and Dave last year, we were pumping Tyrod Taylor super hard. 
in fantasy because, well, A, Tyra Taylor's accurate, but the other part was we just love the Chargers' weapons. And then when he got hurt, it wasn't so much. I mean, we hopped on the Herbert train immediately. We were like, pick this guy up, and you could probably start him right away. It wasn't because we knew something about Herbert that no one else did. It was just we loved the cachet of weapons that they had on that team. I mean, they're just so deep up and down. And, yeah, Eckler's healthy right now. Definitely a super fun team to watch. Bobby, who is it for you, man? What team in the NFL, what offense right now maybe has you probably lingering on their games a little bit longer than others? It's the Rams. And I like the Rams because you know what you're going to get. There's not too many times where a rogue fullback gets a touchdown pass. No, they have a very concentrated offense. It's Cup, it's Woods, it's Higby, it's Henderson, and it's Stafford and throwing some Van Jefferson once in a while. But you know what you get with these guys. But the best part, too, is now they're they're talking about trading Deshaun Jackson. I love this because when you go into the week, you know who's going to produce for that team. I am so tired of seeing a backup tight end catch a touchdown. It makes my head explode when you're like, oh, I'm going to play this tight end this week. And his backup catches the touchdown. You're just like, oh, my God. And the Rams don't do that to me. So that's why the Rams are my pick. Um, This one's one's selfish, but aesthetically, it's very pleasing. I got to go with the Cowboys. no one cares about what's on your fantasy team, but let's just say I got a lot of them. I got a lot of Cowboys on my team. Uh, I have one. I have one team that's uh, Dak Prescott, Ceedee Lamb, and Zeke all in the same squad. Let's just load up, baby. And look, every time they have the football, they're just moving the chains. Whether it is you know Ceedee Lamb, it's funny. We're like you kind of feel like, oh no, maybe this isn't the CD lamb game. He still pops a 45 yard reception out of nowhere. Maybe catches a touchdown in the second half. Dalton Schultz has been pretty dynamic. All of a sudden he's a top 10 tight end. The only time I probably am upset watching the Cowboys is when Tony Pollard has the ball. Uh, because let's be honest, he's not on anyone's fantasy teams. Um, he has no, he doesn't help anyone out. We'll see what happens. I mean, I know Michael Gallup's on the trading block right now, but man, it's just kind of that national narrative of like, here come the Cowboys, here come the Cowboys. I actually kind of think this might be the year. And Dak Prescott, good for him. I'm so happy that he's back. I just love watching the dude play. I think he's such a smart. It's a, He's a perfect combination of smarts and physical skills at the quarterback position. I just really enjoy him. I think he's super elite. And I definitely watch like watching him, especially through the first half of this season. Um, let's move on, guys. Um, it's a little bit of a combo topic. Uh, Bobby, you're going to go first on this one. You could do one or the other. Um, I want to throw out there, you know, who's the most disappointing player, but that can kind of feel like a little bit of a negative. But also at the same time, if you want to throw out there, who's a guy that right now just isn't doing it, isn't getting it done, that you think is going to bounce back in the second half that maybe fancy teams can maybe take an eye on, maybe start trading for, do a little buy low. Who is that guy right now for you? Well, I think my biggest disappointment is CMC. I just think we yeah. thought his injury year was going to be last year, and for it to happen again, I and it really hurts because I traded for him in one league and I thought I was super savvy when I did it. And then he gets, I did it last year. I know, like what like three days later, he pops up in practice. Who gets hurt in practice? Come on, CMC. Hurts his hamstring, he's out for he's on IR. I just like, you know, whatever. But a guy who I think I think this is unfortunately, I wish I came up with a better answer because I'm hearing this a lot, but I actually do believe it. It's Calvin Ridley. I think when I look at his schedule, rest of season versus what he's faced so far, it's gonna get a lot better for him. Plus he hasn't been bad. The weird part too is like we had these expectations for Ridley that he could be a top five receiver. But like I bring up all the time, when you have a new offense coming, it's going to take time for them to gel a little bit and the second half will be stronger. And I think Ridley with the Arthur Smith offense is that prime example. Plus it's Kyle Pitts. The more he demands attention, the better for Calvin Ridley. The better Kyle Pitts gets, the better the offensive gets. And Calvin Ridley, unlike Julio, is a touchdown machine. He can definitely get scores in the red zone. So I think if the guy I'm trying to target right now will probably be Calvin Ridley, 
uh, for a bounce back in the second half. Dave, hop in on this one. Um, I know you're a bit, you're a Calvin Ridley man. You're a Calvin Ridley major supporter right here. Tell me more. Um, hop in on that and also maybe give us a bounce back guy that you're kind of got your eye on right now that thinks, uh, you know, by season's end, he's going to be maybe a top 10 guy or maybe a, a league winner. I love it, Bobby. We can be friends because that's who I had as my bounce back guy. Uh, I uh, have all the Ridley on all the teams. Um, and I can tell you, I'm, I'm not trading him. I'm, I'm holding steady because I try not to watch too many Falcons games, um, but I always got like game cast going on their games because I do have so much Ridley and Patterson. And every other play, it just seems like Matt Ryan is missing Ridley deep, missing him deep, missing him deep. I don't think that happens for too much longer. The thing about Arthur Smith is the efficiency he brought to Tennessee, the efficiency he brought with Ryan Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill and their success in the red zone. I think that is absolutely going to come to fruition in the second half. I do still believe in Arthur Smith and I do still believe in Calvin Ridley. Here's my alt. Let's get spicy gentlemen. Justin Fields. Hear me out. Bounce back in the second half. Here's why. A, I don't think Nagy makes it out of the bye week. Oh, interesting. He's hitting all the rookie road bombs that all of the other rookies are hitting. And it's just going to take a little bit of time. But the schedule is about to get juicy for fantasy. Baltimore, who just got absolutely lit up. Detroit, self-explanatory. <laughs> Arizona, okay, Rodgers, you know, did okay against Arizona, them. Arizona at home, though, in December. Yep, but then it's Minnesota and Seattle. None of those really scare me from a fantasy quarterback perspective. And I do think eventually we're going to take the training wheels off. There's a reason why we all thought he was going to be a huge fantasy asset in the offseason. There's a reason why we draft dual threat quarterbacks. It's because they do have that floor. Now, I'm not saying he's going to, you know, poke his way into the top 10, but he could definitely be in that 12 to 15 range uh, more times than not. He's a guy who is on a lot of waiver wires, and I'm just starting to snag up and just kind of like, a, you know, there's only one way to go, and that's up. Well, with there's, him. there's there's two things if I can uh, help make your case a little bit stronger was when you know he got in against the Bengals and played against the Lions. What we were seeing was we weren't seeing a high volume of passing yards, but we were seeing as big yards per completion. And my whole thing was that they were going to pick their spots, but he had that big arm for some big plays. And if you can kind of progress that slowly, if you go 12 receptions at, you know, 15 yards, you know, per play or whatever, slowly you move that up to 15, 17, then you kind of start working with something where you're also moving in the rushing yards. And maybe my, my final thing that I could throw out there is as of right now, we'll see what happens against the 49ers, the bears and 49ers. They're like the exact same team. You know what I mean? It's like looking into a mirror in terms of their problems and their issues. So we'll see who comes out of that. And then they play the Steelers. If the bears lose both those games, I'm with you. They're in a lot of trouble probably move on from their coach. But again, if they're going to be losing a lot of these games down the stretch, garbage time, baby. You know, I mean, in that, in that point, you know what I mean? At that point, soft zone coverage, spread it out. Justin Fields does have a big arm. I still believe in that arm right now. The decision-making has a lot of work to do, but man, you could be right on that front, to be honest with you. The guys that I wanted to throw in were, this happens every single year. And these are name recognition guys who right now are not in the top 10, maybe not even in the top 15, but I think by season's end, especially as the weather turns, we're going to see guys like Nick Chubb, 
and Dalvin Cook probably in the top 10, right? Now, they've had injuries. They've gotten hurt. They're not really showing it right now. I just think that their value is at a level right now that probably won't be where it is by the end of the year. And I'm also kind of looking at guys like Damian Harris, who I'm not saying bounce back. He hasn't been terrible. But I think as the season moves along, I think there are certain running backs in certain situations that are going to kind of start hitting their base level a little bit. And I think those are definitely going to be kind of those guys moving forward. Also, I want to talk to you guys, too. Maybe one of our final topics here is, you know, just trade philosophies. We're coming and coming up. Different people have different trade deadlines, different times. Um, I know it's probably right around the corner for a lot of leagues right now. Uh, Bobby, if you want to hop in first, you know, what are your trade philosophies? How do you kind of approach it? Um, how should people go pro- approach it? Because let's be honest, there are so many dog shit trade proposals out there in the world that it is really hard that it sometimes kind of removes some of the emotional incentive to even get involved with trading with people because other people don't want to be fair. So in your opinion, how do you approach that to kind of just at least get the communication lines going to make a trade? Yeah. I'll just give you an example. I've been trying to get, I have Daryl, uh, Daryl Henderson. I'm very realistic about him. I want Sony Michelle. The guy who has Sony Michelle is not trading me him. I have offered him like, you know, Marvin Jones, Tyler Boyd, Jamal Williams, like a bunch of players that are producing more. And he's like, no, nah, I just, you know, it's like, I think I'm going to help you more. And this is kind of brings me to my point. First of all, number one, never offer a trade. Always reach out to the owner and try to get them to engage first. Like, don't show your hand. You might be surprised what people are willing to offer you. So just say, hey, I'm interested in X player. What would you need to uh, for that player? And see what they come back with first. The other philosophy I have, too, is that the way you can get trades done is actually try to make the other team better in the trade. Don't just be like, I just want to win the trade and dominate the trade. And I want to, I want everyone to see that trade and be like, oh, wow, that guy dominated trade. No, look at the team and say, number one, the most important thing is to make your team better. I'm not saying that's not the number one, but number two, look at their team and actually see if that trade helps them. Because if it doesn't help them, they're going to say no anyway. So, I mean, that's another philosophy to help you progress and get more trades done. Always try to make your team better first. And then as a secondary, so when you're making this, when you're having that dialogue, you can tell them those, re- listen, man, you you definitely don't have a flex right now. Give me, I'll give you two guys. You can fill that flex spot and I get a little bit of improvement at my receiver position. And that brings me to my final point. I like to keep trades simple, but I also like to do two for one or one for two. It's either depth for talent or talent for depth. When you start adding in like two running backs, two receivers, I traded these four guys for these five guys. I'm sorry, but you might win that trade one week and lose it the next week because it gets really complicated and convoluted. Keep it simple. So if you are someone who has a Jamar Chase and you know he's completely dominated, a philosophy and something I put in here is like, what if you can get a Calvin Ridley and another piece to fill a flex spot for you? Maybe a Chase Edmonds, Damian Harris type running back, or maybe a receiver. I mean, listen, Tyler Lockett's terrible right now, but we know when Russell comes back, he'll be good. So those are kind of things that I think about when I do trade. So it's either depth for talent or talent for depth. Man, I completely agree with you on every single point that you just brought up. And additionally, it's so funny that when someone just randomly sends you a trade proposal in the, the middle of the night, more often than not, it doesn't have anything to do with the trade involved, but it often feels like it's an attack on my intelligence. And more often than not, it sours further negotiations or conversations or discussions. So even if two weeks later, you maybe all of a sudden might need something and you want to trade with that team, you don't go to that team because you already feel like that 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 plant has been that planted, that flag's already been planted. And then you can't really get anywhere. I completely agree with you, too, of also, hey, I kind of need this. 
are you interested? Can we can we talk a little bit? Dave, hop in. Give me some of your trade philosophies as well. Yeah, I absolutely love it. This is something I was going to hammer is it's got to help both teams. I do not understand why people cannot grasp that concept. Um, this is th take fantasy out of it. This is just business 101. If I have a car to sell, I'm not going to approach the guy with three Lamborghinis in the driveway. That makes no sense, right? He doesn't need that. The first thing I do is I decide the position I need and want. The next thing I do is I scour the league looking for who has an abundance at that position. Even if I want Kelsey, if that guy doesn't have a good backup tight end, I don't even talk to that guy because there's no way that guy is probably going to give up Travis Kelsey. It's too valuable to him. I find someone with two good tight ends, maybe three good tight ends. Then I see what they need and I see if I can fill that need. If I can't answer both those things, I'm probably not even talking to that person because I want to get a deal done. I don't want to text back and forth for three days going back and forth and then it's souring. Joey, you were the first person I contacted to. Why? Because I have two tight ends. You, you're the only one in the league that needs one. I hit you up. I need a running back. You're the only other team that also happens to have an abundance of running backs. We can help each other. No other team can honestly help me, and I can't help them at this current point. And sometimes you just can't trade. You're not in a position with enough value to offer the rest of the league. And that gets tricky. All I'm saying is like, I don't know why, but people all the time will offer me a running back. And I'm like, I need a running back. Why would I, what are you doing? Look at my team. I have one. Like, why, how do you think I'm going to give you the one, you know, like it's, it's insane to me. Well, and yeah. And, and additionally, sometimes, you know, stuff happens where it doesn't work out. You know, Lamar Jackson's on a buy. I got to play Danny dimes and I got to burn a roster spot when I drop Danny dimes. So taking it and it doesn't work out. The other thing that I'll say is, and this is just pure honesty. This is no offense to anyone out there. When I start my process, I never go to the team in first place because guess what? The team in first place most likely likes where they're at. I always go to the worst record and I work my way up. And I'm that's with right. you, though, because typically you go down there to the worst team that's in the league and you go, look, they got to suck at something. And what do they suck at? And can I perhaps probably make something where my team gets a little bit better? Maybe I work a little bit of my depth and I get what I want and then maybe they get a little bit more of a rounded out roster because chances are the worst team in the league is trying to figure out their flex Sunday morning and they have no idea what to do. Bobby, hop back in. Another thing is the philosophy needs to change if you're seven and zero and six and one versus two and five. A good example of this is, and I, Joey, I'll tell you, there is a scenario where you go to that first team because I'm a CMC owner and I'm two and five in a league. My first, my first call is going to be that 7-0 team. Like, listen, you can sit on Long CMC. Play. Even if you lose two of the next three games, you'll be 8-2, and two, and then you'll have CMC. And you'll be able to get maybe a better player because they know – because if I'm 7-0, and 0, I'm reaching out to that 2-5 and five CMC team anyway myself and saying, hey, listen, I know you're struggling. I'll give you guys you can start right now. Give me CMC. Same thing for goes for, for like Antonio Brown, to a lesser extent CEH. These guys that you can get real cheap if you're high up there. But also, if you're the CMC owner, you're two and five, it's time to pull the trigger. You got to go get somebody. So go after those teams that are in first, second, third place and just try to get players that can help you win right now. Yeah, and real quick, another thing that I was actually able to execute this year and I felt like it was a pretty fair deal was, you know, take notes during the draft, right? There is going to be someone that is going to take two really quality quarterbacks on their roster. Sometimes they like to stack up at that position. It could also be a tight end. You're going to say to yourself, look, that's basically putting a sign on you being like, I'm going to trade one of these guys at some point. 
The idea is to be one of the first people to that door week three, four, five. When you go, and the, and the guy at the time had, uh, it was Dak Prescott and Matt Stafford. I went to him and I said, hey, I want to make a deal for one of your guys. They're going to be amenable. They're going to be open to talking about it. You're just going to have to be able to work with them because one of those guys is not going to be able to stay on their roster all year. It's an empty slot. They're not going to be going all week going, hmm, Stafford or Dak. Ideally, you'd like to have one top five, top ten guy that you're going to roll with every week. So just pay attention of who has a little bit extra of what they already have and try and be one of the first people to get there to get that deal done. Dave, hop in. Yeah, and the last thing I'll say is this is the primo time to make trades. Bye weeks are coming. You know, people are just like making huge decisions right now. We just saw Joe Burrow dropped in our league probably just because of, of, of depth. He was a guy I was probably thinking about trading for in the last couple of weeks. So you never know before you just offload some studs of your team before you buy weeks. If you're already going to drop the guy, you know, might as well get something possibly in return. This is a great time to float those people out and see if maybe you get a bite or two. Final quick question here on Bet on Chicago with Joey Christopoulos, my guests, Tutty Guy Dave Raspoli and Bobby Lamarco from the Fantasy Focus and the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Um, this is plain and simple, guys. Tom Brady is the number one quarterback in fantasy right now. I ask you, Dave, you're going to go first. Who is the number one fantasy quarterback at fantasy season's end? Well, we're going to take a time machine back two years because I think it's going to finish the same. I'm calling Lamar Jackson. Mm, great call. This is just this is just a gut call and a gut feeling of just watching him in the last couple of games. And it's like that uh, that moment in Hook when he's like, there you are, Peter. It's like, that's the guy I thought I had ranked as the number one overall fantasy quarterback coming into this season. Like you said, Bobby, Bateman comes back. Let's say Watkins comes back at some point. The thing is, is even when those guys aren't playing or even when they're down huge or he has nine points going into the half, He's still getting it done, and he just has that perfect combination of, you know, being able to run the ball like a running back in a quarterback body. I just, I think like, you know, guys like Stafford, Brady, the pocket passers, the guys that are so touchdown reliant on their fantasy value, we usually see those guys kind of regress to the mean, and maybe they fall into that, you know, three to six range. But if you're going to be the number one, you know, we're talking – it's going to end up probably being a Kyler Murray type, a Lamar Jackson type. For me, my gut call, it's Lamar. Well, what's also interesting is it's still kind of happening, but there is no Gus Edwards or Dobbins siphoning those short yardage touchdowns. I mean, is it Latavius Murray? Is it Devontae <laughs> Freeman? I mean, sure it is right <laughs> now. Bell. But it was like clockwork, you know what I mean, where one of those guys was getting the football in those 5- to 10-yard situations and closer. I don't think they have that solved exactly this year which also can maybe open up those two, three extra scores for Lamar moving forward. And I'm with you, man. The rushing yards are going to be there, and it looks like the passing yards might be a little bit on the rise. That's an interesting call. Bobby, season's end. Who's going to be the number one fantasy quarterback? I'm going to go Josh Allen. And yeah. it's because, first of all, number one, it's like Brady kind of cheated. He's got a little bit of a head start. And since he's a slow quarterback, I guess it's fair because he's got Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson chasing after him. But when you look at the points per game, Josh Allen's right behind Tom Brady as we speak. And he actually, when I use my metric, I use, I like to look at pass volume, but also I use football outsiders. Love that site. They use like pass DVOA, which is basically the average. If every team played the average defense every single week, they adjusted based on their opponent. That's the best way to put it. And my, in my metric, he has the third best rest of season schedule. So when I see all that, I'm thinking he's got matchups against Jacksonville, Atlanta, you know, he's got matchups against Tampa Bay, which is going to be fun. 
Uh, so I think he's got high scoring affairs coming up, especially. And I think that Josh Allen will be the QB one at end of season. Um, guys, I'm going Patrick Mahomes. He's fifth right now, and he sucks, right? Like, you know what I'm saying? And honestly, it's, it's, you know, it's so hard. Look, like, I, I want to believe moving forward that some of these turnovers are going to get cleaned up. I want to believe that at some point Andy Reid and the offense are going to have to kind of reconfigure this a little bit and get a little bit more on the same page. I want to believe that, you know, now with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire out, they're going to be throwing the ball a lot. And I want to believe that the only way that they're going to get back into this season is in the hands of Patrick Mahomes. Can I say the same about, you know, kind of how Travis Kelsey's looked this year? Does he, are we entering the end of his prime? Maybe a debate for another pod, but the guy's fifth right now and, and everyone's down on him. I mean, there's just, and it's in the margin, the margin right now between one through five, isn't that, you know, that great, you know what I mean? That cavernous. So I don't know. I just kind of think towards the end. I mean, I don't know if they're going to win a lot of games, but that doesn't mean he doesn't. He's not going to throw for three seventy-five and four scores every game just to try and give him a shot, especially with a bad defense. Dave, hop in. Yeah, and I'm I'm really looking at them during this trade deadline. I I'd be very surprised if they don't make some kind of move. I think Nicole Hardman has not turned into the, into the number two that they had hoped for. Uh, if they get active, if they go out and get somebody, uh, an Allen Robinson, a Michael Gallup, a someone in that range, wheels up, baby. This was the halftime show of the fantasy football season in 2021. I want to thank my guests so much, David Raspoli and Bobby Lamarco. Dave, go first, my friend, my tutty guy. Just throw out your socials and stuff, how people can check out our content, your content moving forward. Yeah, it's just at tutty guy on Twitter and TikTok for the kids. And you can always check out me and Joey on the check down on Roto Ballers YouTube page. That's right, doing quarterback tight end start sits. Those tight end start sits. Got to have them. Got to need them. Come on over. Check out our videos. Bobby, man, so great to see you, dude. Um, you're welcome anytime, dude. Hopefully we'll get Sky Guasco on next time, your partner in crime. But throw out your socials. You're doing a lot of stuff, a lot of content. So make sure the listeners that are listening now can check it out, man, because uh, people definitely need to hear some of your knowledge and your advice. Yeah, so I made it easy for you on, on Twitter. It's at Bobby Lamarco. So it's just my name. There you go. Uh, we do a Sunday live, so our fantasy focus is the YouTube channel that the Candlestick Kids partnered with. We do a Sunday live start sit show for three hours from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. We're on for three straight hours, start sits, injury updates, you know, who's in, who's out. We talk about matchups. We talk about shadow coverage. We talk about it all. So that's where I would really love to see all your fans on there as well. I also write a slot versus wide. I take a look at defense and where they allow the fantasy points to receivers. That's on football.rasball.com. That dropped today, and another one drops tomorrow. I evaluate every slot matchup and every wide matchup for your start-sit needs this week. So you can find my articles on Razzball. You can also find my content, and also the Candlestick Kids podcast. That big orange logo. Go to Apple Podcasts, where you can find us right there on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Dude, you're doing awesome stuff, man. I'm so happy that we were able uh, to connect, man, and thank you so much, both of you guys, for coming on the pod. Thank you for having me, Joe. Today's episode of Bet on Chicago with Joey Christopoulos was presented by BetOnline.ag. A 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use promo code and only promo code Believe50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0. Thank you so much for checking out this pod. We got plenty more coming this week. Be well, be safe, please be good to each other, and remember, when in doubt, always bet on Chicago. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.